Welcome to the Tilted Halo. This is a new podcast and it's for anybody who's a woman in ministry. You might be a pastor like myself, a bishop, a priest, a rabbi, music minister, elder, children's minister, whatever your title is, you're absolutely in the right place. Especially if you're someone who loves your ministry and you're doing it well and you're feeling pressure to sometimes be perfect and deep down inside, you know you're not. And how in the world to deal with that? And men, you're absolutely welcome here too because this is about ministry and the same thing can happen to you. So you're all in the right place. Let's get started with the show. Welcome to another edition of The Tilted Halo. And um, I am so delighted to have a very special guest with me today, uh, Matt Gill. Hi. <laughs> Chief of, what is your exact title? I'm the production director for Do the Damn Thing Productions. I knew it had to do something like production director, but <laughs> wanted to get it right. Um, got to know Matt, oh, what was it, about three years ago? Something yes, like ma'am. that. Yeah. And uh, in working with Tiffany, who is head of Tiffany Largy and Biz, Do the business, Damn Thing. Yep, and, she and is the CEO of Do the Damn Thing. Of, uh, of actually, Tiffany um, Largy Business Strategies is uh, kind of the name of our company here. But she's the one who created Do the Damn Thing and the movement of Do the Damn Thing, which has brought both of us together. Right. And the, the idea is doing the business and the dreams that we really want to do, which right. is partly how I got to doing this wonderful podcast here in the DTDT studio. Yes. So, um, and Matt, you've got a powerful story mm-hmm. that's, I think, really important for people of faith and faith communities to hear because Number one, it's personal and it's your story. But number two, it can help, I hope, people understand the impact that faith, both positively and not so positively, Mm -hmm. can have uh, when we become judgmental in many respects. Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly where or how young you want to start your story. (laughs) But you know, I I grew up in a um, uh, in a very close private Christian uh, family. So, um, growing up, I went to church every Sunday. I went to a private Christian school. Um, I was one of those. So I love microphones, which doesn't surprise me why I went into production mm-hmm. um, because I had always I always felt very comfortable either behind a microphone in front of a camera or on stage in front of an audience. Like to me, that feels home, Mm -hmm. that feels comfortable. Um, I would go to Sunday school and I would come home and I would go out and I'd pretend like I was the preacher. And Ah. everything that I just learned in in Bible study, I would regurgitate in my own way and pretend Mm -hmm. like I had an audience. Um, Growing up, my parents felt, uh, my mom always thought I was going to be a news reporter and my dad thought I was going to be a youth minister. Oh, and what I love is I get to do both almost in in how I get to suit the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, um, God and the relationship with God has always been incredibly important to me. Um, I always felt the presence of God. I felt his his guidance. I felt his word. Um, 
And I was very involved in church, both mm-hmm. during school, after school. Um, I was one of the drama kids that were in uh-huh. all of the plays and the musicals. And so I, was, I spent a lot of time um, in church and around mm-hmm. church. What became a struggle is the older I got, I realized that I felt different. Uh-huh. I felt different than other people. Um, we were taught that being gay was wrong. Mm-hmm. We were taught that if you are gay, you're going to hell. We were taught that being gay is a choice. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, growing up, I didn't really know what gay was. Like, I didn't know, I knew in fifth grade that I had a crush on a boy mm-hmm. that named Ricky Larson mm-hmm. that I knew I could never talk about. Oh. Because it was not right. Right. I still didn't understand what gay was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's fascinating how I hear of people talking about um, gay people being pedophiles and that it goes to mm-hmm. the sexuality of being gay. I was in fifth grade. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know anything about myself really at that time. Right. So the idea of being gay or being attracted to a man, I knew I had a crush. There was something about this individual. Mm-hmm. that I was attracted to and that I wanted to have more in my life. That's all I knew at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that if I were to say that I was gay or um, come out in any way, that one, my parents would not approve of it. Two, the church was not going to approve of it. Mm-hmm. And that I was going to be condemned to hell forever and live this miserable life. So I, cho- I chose to keep things a secret. I chose not to allow myself to feel Mm-hmm. what was not, what was just coming up for me. So I lived mm-hmm. in this space of, of trying to be numb, of not going there. Um, what's interesting is that I never felt like it was a God's punishment. Like I never Ooh, felt like ooh. I was being punished in any uh-huh. way. But what I didn't understand was that if this was wrong, why would God make me this way? And I felt that there was something wrong with me. Did you feel it was your responsibility or that this was something that somehow you had created? I would say that the, based on based on how I was raised and based on what like the church said, if God made me perfect and God and I was born into this earth and then if this is wrong and this is something that I did and that only I can change, but I didn't know how to change it. Didn't know who to talk to because they w- I would instantly be set into the space of being judged. Yeah. Um, and it made no sense. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think that was probably the biggest part of, of growing up is like, not, I didn't know. You know, we have now people, there's so much information that people have access to. Back then, growing up, I had the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> I remember those. Yes. <laughs> and all of the, what, 25 or 27 different volumes. volumes. Yeah. yeah. And so mm-hmm. the, the amount of information that we have access to now didn't exist mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that I knew where to get answers. Mm-hmm. I just knew I felt different. I remember crying myself to sleep at night, praying that God would fix me. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling like there was something different about me, which meant that the results, the happiness, joy, 
the love that other people felt wasn't for me. Because I had this being gay as my disability or my my problem. Mm-hmm. And I was made to, you know, I, I, as I think most of us feel that if we are gay, then we are wrong. And we are wrong, we are shunned. And when we are shunned or pushed away, we are forgotten about, which means that God does not love, uh, does not love me. But that went against everything that I was raised of God is love. And God loves all. Except. Except, right? <laughs> so Except. None, none of it truly made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did you navigate that? You know, this not making sense yet feeling that the church was important in your life. Mm. And God was important, but all of this stuff was one day, God loves me. Next day, I'm condemned to hell. Right. You know, this uh, total roller coaster of, and also hearing other people talk about people who are gay mm-hmm. as being, I don't dirty, bad, wrong. Right. All of the above. above. (laughs) Um, And, you know, there you are hiding in the midst of this Mm. with the church you love that's really not loving you back Mm -hmm. in spite of what they say. Here's the thing. You you hit the, the nail on the head when you said the word hiding. For me, my story is about being gay. And the lack of acceptance within the faith-based community that I Mm -hmm. felt. The truth is, we all have secrets. Mm -hmm. We all have things that we're holding on to that we won't tell the rest of the congregation. We're not going to go tell Sister Mary because she's going to be talking to so-and-so and and then tell everybody. And before you know it, the whole Mm -hmm. church is all about your business. Mm -hmm. We all have secrets. And we all have these moments that we try to hide and we try to put on this mask. And we end up forgetting who we truly are because we have so many masks that we're wearing. We have a mask that we wear when we're with our family. Hmm. We go to church on Wednesday or on Sunday or even on Saturday, whenever you go, and you have a mask putting on a front for Mm -hmm. those people. Then you go to your friends and you have another way that you're acting with them. Then you have your own spouse or your partner or your home environment and your different person. You get to, you're all these different people because you're trying to manage other people's insecurities. Yeah. You're trying to manage their judgments. You're trying to manage what they feel. And so you step away. We live in a life, especially those that have been have been in hiding, anybody that's part of the LGBTQ queer community have lived a life of pretending to be somebody else. So then we tell them, you just be you. They don't know who they are. Yeah. Same thing for somebody who is has lived a life of secrecy or pretending or, you know, many people are in relationships for a long period of time that they know is unhealthy, that mm-hmm. they know is violent, that they know right. is not feeding them. And right. they stay in that relationship. And then for so long until somebody comes along and says, hey, you need to be, take yourself out of that. And then you get the, the courage to move to your next. And then you feel lost. Because your identity and everything is back on who you've been pretending to be. Right. 
Right. So for me, my story is about being gay. Um, but for other people, it's about being in a relationship for too long. It's about saying yes too many times when you really should be saying no. Mm-hmm. It's about the generational secrets that we have been keeping of, of that uncle of somebody did something or somebody was touched inappropriately or something happened, mm-hmm. that parent did something or that, that aunt got an abortion and she's never talked about it. Mm-hmm. Those secrets that have been kept in the family because we're afraid of judgment. Yeah. I had to get to a point where I stopped managing other people's insecurities. Mm. What I realized is that I know God has never left me. Even in my darkest moments, I went six and a half years of using crystal meth. And during that time, it was because I didn't want to feel. The drugs, the drinking, it numbed me. Mm. I didn't have to feel. I honestly, I felt like there were moments that I lost my soul because I was in such a, a pit of darkness. Wow. But the one thing I will always remember is that I always felt God's presence there. That's powerful mm-hmm. to know that you felt that in spite of. In spite of. And that's why I don't believe that God will ever forsake me. Mm-hmm. According to Christianity and what the Bible says, That's what the Bible says. That's what that says. Mm -hmm. The God I serve, I know he loves me. Mm -hmm. I know that I am made of him. I cannot do and serve the way that I do without him. Mm -hmm. The space of stepping onto a stage and being able to share my story and touch the heart and the soul, that's not me. That's God working through me. Yeah. I am very well aware that I am on a mission and I have a goal on this planet and that's to help people fall in love with themselves the way that God wanted us to be. Yeah. To help people feel the freedom. Mm-hmm. I lived 44 years of my life hiding. That's a long time. That's a long time. We don't have to say it like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that's a long time. But the, the reality is some people live their whole life Right. Not just 40, mm-hmm. but 60, 80 years hiding. Exactly. Families, like you talked about, spend that. I mean, that's why Tilted Halo is called what it is, because we feel the pressure to manage our own insecurities and others to feel perfect mm-hmm. when we know perfectly well we're not. Right. And, uh, you know, whatever that perfection is, whether it's being straight when you're gay or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. It's, it, it's really taking a stand for yourself and understanding that you're not broken. No. no matter how dark things feel, you're not broken. There's nothing to fix. There may be new decisions that you need to make. Mm-hmm. There might be some choices in the environment that you choose It may require you to take a look at the people that you're spending your time with. Uh It may may require you to take a look at what are the things that you are feeding your soul, feeding your mind. What books are you reading? What music are you listening? What shows are you watching on television? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, making that decision for yourself and then sharing it to the world is what gives you the freedom, the freedom that God has designed for us to have. 
the freedom to love. Yeah. The freedom to be loved. And the, the power to let other people know that they are loved too. Yes. In, I don't even want to say in spite of, but even through who they are, what they have done, and, you know, out the other side to something bigger, better, more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is what God wants for all of us. Right. Yeah. And I've shared on this show many times that the beauty of the diversity of this world, you know, what would it be like if everybody was like Matt? Mm. That'd or be a like, fun time. <laughs> <laughs> but it would also be a little bit boring. Mm. And the same thing if everybody was like me. Right. You know, it, there would be some ways in which that'd be a lot more peaceful, but it would also be boring. Right. Because we wouldn't have that diversity that's there. And um, that, that beautiful, in, you know, pouring into each other. Mm. Mm. That you have poured in to so many people since you shared your story. Right. And that has allowed other people to be free and to share their story too. Our yeah. stories and our stories are the are the thing that has the answers. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that holds our freedom. It's the thing that it's the it's our secret weapon. Like I always say it's almost like our superpower. Mm-hmm. It's the one your story is the one thing that is that nobody else has. Nobody else has your experience. Nobody else has your joy. Nobody else has your sorrow. Nobody else has the the moments that you have felt. Only you have that. Mm. And within those moments are the solutions to, you have moved through them and created your own solutions, Mm -hmm. which therefore are the solutions for other people, which is why we here at DTDT are a preach (laughs) You need to tell your story. Mm-hmm. You need to first take a take a look at the mirror and be able to look at yourself mm-hmm. and own the truth of what you've been through, own the truth of the decisions that you've made, own the truth of the feelings and the results that they created. Look yeah. at that, own that, and then begin to share. And that's truly the biggest part. And that's the scariest part. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the part that is you don't have control over. You don't have control over how your family is going to respond. No. You don't have control over how the public is going to no. going to take what you're receiving. When you came, when you started doing your podcast, mm-hmm. there were things that you were talking about that in in the industry in in the faith based ministry industry were like, mm-hmm. you're going to talk about that, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But you have to, especially when you're when you're in a space of guiding people, right? And 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 sharing his message of love. You have to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I commend you for creating Tilted Halo as a, as, a, as a vessel to bring healing for other people, to do what other people and other pastors and leaders have not done. That's the hope and the prayer for, for the show, <laughs> yes. Um, but it, you know, that's also the joy that we get to share with other people, mm. to hear them, you know, realize that they can do that too. Right. For other people, for the people in their faith community, for the people in their, you know, family sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
and you know as and even for themselves because that's where it starts yes we free ourselves then we can be an agent to help free other people in that one of the greatest gifts that i've been able to see since coming out is uh, the freedom that it's given my family mm. um, my mom um, maybe a couple months after um, as i told them when i was young um, I told them in my early 20s. And so they knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never publicly had spoken about it, about being gay. And um, I, in 2020, I told my parents, I was like, hey, I'm coming out publicly. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, are you sure you want to do that? And my dad was worried about my safety. My mom was like, you know, I just want you to be happy. Um, but one of the greatest things when I did that was watching them begin to share pieces of their story. Mm. Hey, you know what? I've never told you this and dot, dot, dot. My mom shared with me something really big that she's been holding on to for 40 plus years. Wow. And she said to me, oh, I've never told anybody. Mm. And um, seeing the amount of relief on her from just, she didn't have to carry that alone anymore. Yeah. was huge. Yeah. Seeing my cousins being bolder now and mm-hmm. um, hearing their stories of, you know, how they're standing up for themselves much more. Um, that's the win. Yeah. That's the win. Yeah. yeah. It, and the other side of that that I, I, I really am so concerned about is that, you know, as faith leaders, whether it's professionally or within any particular congregation as a member mm-hmm. who's a leader, we really carry a heavy responsibility mm-hmm. of, you know, when we say God doesn't approve, you know, we're speaking like God in mm-hmm. that moment. And it is really not for us to condemn anybody. That's God's and God's alone, right. if God is going to do that even. Mm-hmm. And it is for us to say, you know, I'm not comfortable with this or, you know, think about the ramifications, those kinds of things. Yes, mm-hmm. we can do that. But when we start judging people, mm-hmm. we're taking on God's role mm-hmm. in any kind of position we're in. And you felt that judgment. Mm-hmm. And there are so many others who have left the church. For sure. Because of that same sort of judgment. Mm-hmm. And the harm and the misrepresentation of God and God's love that we do in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I may not. I do not agree with the way everybody lives their life. Mm-hmm. But others don't always agree with the way I live mine either. So, <laughs> right. you know, it goes both ways. But when we give these pronouncements and hearing the effect that had on you reminded me of that mm-hmm. and of the responsibility within any faith community Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, be, you know, whatever it might be that those kinds of pronouncements can really hurt people. Mm -hmm. And hurt people hurt people. Exactly. So One of the interesting things I think that that 
has always gotten me is when seeing people who are not willing to go out into the community and really touch the people that are hurting the most. Mm -hmm. Um, They stay within their church walls and they wait for people to come to them. Uh And we're going to, and then we're going to judge you when you come in our doors because Mm -hmm. you live this way, you do this, you do this. So we're going to judge you while you're here, but yet they're not willing to go out into the community and be with the people who need them the most. They're not willing to go out and to serve the homeless or to Mm -hmm. go out and serve at different things. Mm -hmm. And yet they're the ones who are teaching about love, Mm -hmm. but they won't go out. Now, Jesus spent his time, not with the people in leadership, not with the people that are in church. He was there with the prostitutes. He was there with the the people who had terminal diseases and right. were the and he was spending his time and his his love to them. Right. Why why don't we see more of that in today's world, in today's <laughs> church? I, I I don't I don't even feel the love. <laughs> bless you. I don't even I don't feel the love that of the church that was there when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we've gotten so stuck in our judgment. Yeah, I agree with you on that. <laughs> As we get all choked. <laughs> yeah, but <coughs> I got a little something stuck yes. in my throat, so. But I'll tell you, uh, the one thing that I think that has always helped, I, I'm very, very grateful that my parents gave me a very strong foundation mm-hmm. um, and that I developed a relationship with God very early on. Yeah. And I, I have kept that relationship. It looks different than maybe what some people says is the right way, but I know a hundred percent that God's got me, and I will always get him and that's most important of all. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Matt, for sharing your story Thank for you. being here and for helping me with the tilted halo anyway. I'm so proud of you, many, Kathleen in yes. many, many respects, so to all of you watching and listening, come back again next time. There will be another episode. You have been listening to Tilted Halo with me, Kathleen Panning. What did you think about this episode? I'd really like to hear from you. Leave me some comments. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this episode. And catch another upcoming episode for more conversation on ministry, life, mindset, and a whole lot more. Go to www.tiltedhalohelp.com where I've got a resource guide and other resources waiting for you. And be sure to say hi to me, Kathleen Panning, on LinkedIn. See you on the next episode.